Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of series 2 of the Wide Open Road podcast, a podcast where retired athletes share their stories of career transition to help current athletes in their journey to prepare for life after sport. Today's guest is rugby league legend Steve Menzies. Not only is Steve the third highest try scorer in rugby league history, he also represented his state, his country and played over 500 games at the highest level over 20 seasons. An incredible feat when you consider rugby league is one of the planet's most physically brutal sports. Steve is now a successful mortgage broker and has a real passion for his industry and for helping people. Please enjoy my conversation with Steve Menzies. Steve Menzies, it's terrific to to have you joining the Wide Open Road this evening and thanks so much for for joining us. Can you explain how you felt when you knew your playing career was over? Were you excited the new chapter of your life was beginning or were you fearful of, of what was next? Look, it was one of those things that, um, yeah, I was excited about what was going to come um, because I, I had a chance to play another season. I, the, my last five years, I'd been one year for one year for one year, thinking it was going to come to an end. So um, you're sort of looking forward to the, the future uh, of a new exciting journey. Um, but there's, you know, I suppose that was in the front of the mind that this is exciting, this is good. Um, a little bit of fear of the unknown um, and then a bit of sadness to know that I'll never you know do what I've done since I was eight years old or you know, 20 years professionally I'll never I'll never be able to experience that again so the deep down I was sad um, but I was excited at the same time and, and, and scared so I suppose there was a lot of different emotions you know I remember walking off um, just thinking that's it, I'll never get to do it again, which is a, a tough thing when something's been a part of your life, your whole life, you know, um, such a big part. When you, when you walked off and when you, you knew that eventually the, you know, the, the playing in, you know, going from playing in Manly for such a long time, then going to the UK and then going to France to kind of wrap everything up, as you sort of got into the last season and you maybe coming to the last 10 games, last five games, did it actually occur to you that you were – this was finished, you were done? Or was it something that you thought about afterwards as opposed to in the lead into it? No, you see, you, you sort of do think about it. And I suppose it's, it's uh, and like I sort of touched on before, when I went to England, I said, look, I'm just going to play. I signed a one-year deal. I said, look, let's see how I feel. Towards the end, later I went, actually, I feel good. Let's go again. So every time you sign a one-year deal, it was, ah, this is my last year. Let's, let's just really enjoy it because this is the last year I get to do it. And then I got to the end and went, oh, actually, now they want me to go, go to France. Yeah, okay, I'm just going to sign a one-year deal. Let's really enjoy this because this is my last year. So I got to, I got to enjoy it five, sort of five years pretty much, but nearly halfway through the year I sort of said, look, they said, do you want to play again? And I had an opportunity. Uh, look, the body could have held up, but I think I was just prolonging the inevitable, uh, as in, you know, if you play for another five years, that's all good, but then you're five years behind this new adventure that you, you need to start. So um, probably halfway through the season, I knew that that was going to be it. So you, you sort of count down, but the, un, the unknown uh, is you, know, you don't know what you don't know. So the unknown was um, was, was tough. And the, the, the thing about sort of counting down to the, to the end, were you, as you went through that last, those last, months of being a professional sportsman were you were you consciously starting to think about well obviously coming back to Australia what am I going to do was that sort of going through your mind as you got closer to the end well 
not so much from behind. They had a, an easy transition, uh, as in job-wise. If guys come to the end and are unsure what they want to do, or I sort of had a, a job at Manly lined up, so I was going there as an ambassador. Um, I'd invested in a, a custom-fitting golf business that I was still a part of, so that was going to be my investment. And it's the ideas of this is where I'm going to go, and it will it will be all all okay was, wasn't really there because I, I, I had things to go to. I wasn't going to nothing. Well, I'm going to have a job here. I'm going to have a job there. I'm going to have an investment here. This is, this is going to be easy. And was it? No, <laughs> no it, it wasn't hard, but it, it's not easy because, yeah, I had a job and I loved doing my job and I loved golf and I was involved in a golf business. You should think this should be easy. You should just cruise along, but it, it's, the thing I, I realised that I didn't realise during my career, I thought uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I play, I love rugby league, yeah, because it's my favourite sport. I hang with my mates, so I get to do things, you know, on the field, and these are the reasons why I love the game, and that's what I'm gonna miss. And then having retiring and having a job, but not ha- not having these other things like a direction, a purpose, goals, moving forward, um, going somewhere with your life and skills. and um, I realised that's what rugby league gave me, but I didn't realise that till you finished. So, yeah, when you play footy since a young kid, you, you love it, but you want to improve. You want to get better. You want to make the next rep team. As a professional, you're always trying, week to week, you're trying to strive to, I, I need to get better. And I think that's, you know, to Give me feedback. Give me feedback because I oh, know you had a great game. You ever tell me how I can improve? That that's that's what you sort of get built. That's how you get put together. None of this. Oh, just oh no, fluff it. You, you're you're fine. You're fine. It's now. I don't don't tell me I'm good because I know I can get better. Tell me that so I can improve. Do I need to be faster? Do I need to get on? Yeah, do I need to look and see different things before they see them, or do I need to? to move earlier or do I need to talk to him a little bit earlier like tell me how I can improve <clears throat> so you're always getting better so going into the jobs I had there was you know, uh, Ambassador Earl played at the club for 16 years at Manny and shaking hands and doing sponsors and I loved it it was so much fun but there wasn't oh, okay well next time you talk to a guy you need to get better like you know what I mean it, it was where, where do you where, how do you progress how do I what's the yeah, can I do that for 30 years? What's These are the things. And the golf business, I wasn't I wasn't in there day-to-day doing it. Like I could have sat on reception and done, did something, but that didn't excite me. So you've got to have something that excites you and you can move forward and progress in. And I had the, I had the excitement about you know, the ambassador stuff. That was cool. But, you know, where does that – what skills do I get? Where does that lead me in three years? How do I, how do I get better? I missed that stuff, so that was that was something that leaves you feeling a little bit like you're just floating. I remember you saying uh, that. You remember you saying that a couple of weeks ago when we had our initial conversation. That while you you know reflecting, you you said that you know as you've just mentioned before, your transition was pretty simple, and but then yeah. as, as you sort of got into the the ambassador role, and you do you're doing what you were doing, you realised that. You were floating, you were drifting a bit, you weren't sort of necessarily improving and doing all the things that you would get used to because I I mean every professional sports person I've spoken to on this podcast basically says the same thing. One of the things they really 
struggled with was the fact that you go from a very structured, if you're almost like military kind of life yeah, yeah, where yeah. everything is laid out for you, when you train, what you eat, where you've got to be to play, all those sorts of things. And then suddenly that gets all thrown out the window. Now, you may have experienced a bit more of that purely because when you're an ambassador, you're going to games, so you know when the game's on, you probably know when sponsor function's on and all that. But can you talk a little bit about this drifting and and what I'd call the lack of purpose and then how you managed to find the career you're in now, which is in mortgage broking, which in your, you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned really sort of lit another passion which allowed you to, to start something and, you know, continually get better at it. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's weird because, because I'm, but you love, you love ambassador. I'm going to the games, I'm doing stuff. Yeah, I love talking to people. It's, I, I, I really enjoyed doing it. But it was the other part, as you said, the progression, the moving forward that lacked. Um, so it's, I, I did that for a couple of years. And I still do the ambassador and I love that. And it's, but it's finding something that it, it excites you and you can move forward as, as the same thing. So I caught up with a, a guy that um, I'd known for a while. He was in insurance and said, he just called me and said, what are you, what are you doing with your life? Now, have you made all your goals? Is that what have you done? Had your career? Have you are you going to have another career? Come and talk to me. And we went in and caught up. And you sort of think that oh, I can I can tackle a big guy bloke if he's running at me, or I can run down a short side and yeah, you know, some are three on three or three on two. I can read this play. Yeah, football skills. Yeah, I can I can do that. But in the real world, uh, that's that's not really useful. And he and he literally said you. You'd be surprised what skills that you've been made, how you've been made as a rugby league professional sportsman that businesses and companies would love to have. So he's just set up five or six meetings with all different you know, finance and HR and different types of completely different areas, and just sat down and said, "What, what do you, what do you think this? You know, what's this? Is what Steve's done on the football field? What, what skills do you think he has?" And then they'd say, yeah, teamwork. Like uh, in, in sport, it's as a team sport, I, I don't care if I score four tries and play amazing. If we lose, that, that's not a success. Okay, how do I, how do we all get better? So it's not it's not an individual thing. So, yeah, you know, there's, there's teamwork. There's, um, like I said, you know, whether it be guidelines or following rules or, or um, dedication, there's work ethic, there's all these other skill sets that you need to have. Yeah, you, know, you need to have. Yeah, such a, a thin line of focus to be good at anything, whether it be poetry or rugby league or, or AFL, whatever it is. You need to have a uh, a mindset like that, uh, and you need to you need to be, not accept criticism. But I'm saying, don't don't pat around. Just tell me how I can get better. I don't care whether I'm best in the whole company. So there must be somewhere I can improve. So tell me what I need to do. And isn't that different? So it's, in- it's interesting you say that because, to your point before. When you're a professional sports person and when, and when you're playing, you know, you're playing rugby league every week, you've got coaches and assistant coaches and probably line coaches and then you've got fans, yeah. the media, your family, your mates, all probably chucking stuff at you saying, you know, you were awesome or you were you were rubbish. Yeah. But then, yeah. then you go to a, to a business and, you know, you don't get that feedback every day or every week. And so it's very often very hard to work out whether you're, you know, how you're tracking unless someone sits down and talks with you. I mean, obviously there are careers where, you know, it might be the numbers, how many how many, how many shoes yeah. you sell or whatever it is. But 
Did you find that was quite a, a challenging thing to get your head around the fact that, you know, when you when you stand up and or you, you take a phone call, no one's sitting behind you or clapping, <laughs> going, oh, mate, that was awesome." Well, that wasn't that wasn't too bad. My phone calls aren't that impressive anyway. But <laughs> it, it's but but the the thing, you know, when I first sort of started, I, I'd write an email and say, "Can you have a look like to, to someone that was helping?" I was saying, "You were writing to a client or something," and say, and they go, "Yeah, that's good." So no, 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 like. You've been doing this 10 years. I've been doing it 10 weeks. How can it be better? No, no, that's good. No, no, well, it can't be as good as your emails. Give me something, you know, you should always you know, mention this or never put it in that order or give me some guidelines so I can remember that next time and improve. Otherwise, I'll keep writing emails and it'll take me 10 years to write them. You, you know what I mean? So it's, I even found it hard for people to, no, give me feedback now. Tell me, was that was that good? How can I improve? People don't. It feels like in the workplace, people don't want to. Oh, I don't want to be too harsh. I don't really want to tell you. No, no, tell me, like so I can get better. And you know that's interesting. You say that because you, you talk you talk about the the transferable skills that a professional sportsman like yourself can bring to an organisation, and that's as you mentioned, you know, teamwork, sacrifice. Uh, performance mindset, all of the things that you know have been ingrained in you for as long as you played the game professionally. But when you flip that into a workplace environment, and I mean, having been, I think I'm in my thirtieth or thirty second year of thirty first year of working, it's amazing how things have changed with respect to how, if you like, people in in who may be running teams and running groups of people have to almost tiptoe around. Criticism, and I don't mean criticism in you know you're rubbish and you're no good. It's it's about constructively providing feedback, which allows the person to understand what they're doing well, but also more importantly, what are the things that they might be able to do a little bit better and improve. And I've always thought that if people don't actually tell you that you're not that you're not doing something as well as as well as you could, you're never going to know. How do you know? That's right. And so I'm fascinated by that that flip of not being given the feedback all the time where you crave it and then turning that into the workplace where you want to get that mindset where you, if, you, if you're going to continuously improve, you know, you as the empl- an employee need, need to ask questions and and, yeah. and you've m- just mentioned before that sometimes people say, no, that's fine. No, it's good because <laughs> yeah, they're, probably, they're probably used to answering that question that way as opposed to going, well, you know what, yeah. mate, you got you got to take the commas out or, you know, you you got to, you, you know, yeah, you've, yeah. You've got to tone the thing down a bit. So... Yeah, I guess you, know, so. you need to be more forceful. Like it's saying, you can't just you can't be super nice all the time. You need to yeah, be a bit forceful, but be more forceful, not in a bad way. But you need to take control because people are asking you. You're the expert. You need to you need to do it better. You can't just be well, whatever you want to do. Like it's different personalities of different people need different um, to be pushed in, in different directions. Oh, there's no there's no question about that. Can you tell me about the the support structures that the NRL, Manly, and even the the organisations you played with in in uh, in the UK and France. I mean, what were the things that they would? Well, let's maybe let's start with Manly and the NRL. What were the things that over the course of your sixteen years in that environment did the the code and the club do with respect to helping players prepare themselves for what was going to happen next? Well, so when I first started, so when I first started in '93, so I was. Full time. I was going to uni full time. We trained at three o'clock in the afternoon, so everyone had jobs. So it's gone through a complete three hundred and sixty. So we started. We trained at 
three o'clock in the afternoon, I'd do a full day of university. I was for a PE teacher. Maybe I'd miss a class at the end. Turn up for training. We'd do a few weights for half hour. Go over the park. Train. Yeah. Um, another guy, Jeff Tuvey, a captain. He was a captain. He worked for someone. They knew. He knocked off at two thirty. Off you went. Someone else was a mechanic. Yeah, look, everyone just had jobs that, that worked in. So where there was none of this. Well, we need to we need to get people ready for for the next part part of their career or something because everyone had jobs. And if you look at the old games in the eighties, someone would be taking a kick at goal and it'd say, yeah, you know, I'd say Vic Cronin and it'd say he's a carpenter. Like he would literally have his job title <laughs> underneath. Like that that's that was it. It's this is what you, and there was heaps of people that were were um, did the garbo run. It's good for fitness. So you get up early, you do your garbo, run around, collect the garbage. Like it was and I'm, it's Noel Cleo used to do where my man was a huge support she'd leave little things out for it everyone had jobs so there was no you need to prepare for it because it was the secondary playing rugby league was secondary to your job depending on how good you were but it was always there you couldn't play rugby rugby league without having a job Super League came you know mid 90s and people started getting paid more and I think they sort of went well if we're paying you more we need to you need to train more. So then we went full time. So there was that lag of, well, we, we've never really had this with guidelines about it. Help people and they're getting more money now, so you'll be you'll be fine. And I'm sure there, there's always been people at clubs to help out uh, and welfare. And But it's all, all the way through to today where you know, they do, there's, there's grants for players and there's you know, courses and there's so many different things that they options they have for players but the thing for me is that it's unless you're ready to learn something then it doesn't matter whether it's in front of you and it's the best thing in the world unless you're mentally ready to do it you, you won't learn it and the example I think we spoke about previously I said well I was in high school and we did history and um, you know, we did the Colosseum and all this stuff and I was going oh boring you know, in year 10 or whatever it was and then you go back up like took my kids there and we go back overseas and I'm just in awe saying this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen and Pompeii and I'm reading up and researching. I could have learned that 30 years ago or maybe 20 years but, but I wasn't ready mentally to, to accept that information. It was the same information, it looked the same, everything's the same but my mindset was completely different yeah, as, a, as a teenager as it is as a, yeah, a four year old saying this is amazing I'm researching, I, I want to find out more about this. So as a rugby league player, it's the same thing. You can have the best information in the world. And they're very good these days, the NRL they are. They give you lots of options. Um, but unless you're ready to learn something, then you may even do the course, but you won't. You know, if, you, if you're doing something you're not focused on, you're not going to learn anyway, and you're going to get no benefit. So it's a, it's a hard... Some people might be ready at 22. Others might not be ready until they're 32. But they, look, today they're pretty, they're pretty good. Yeah, because it's interesting what you mentioned when we had the conversation a couple of weeks ago about about that mindset and the fact that you've, you've made the point just before, obviously, that, you know, people need to be ready before they actually go out and, and proactively jump into something outside of, of their career, outside of rugby league, for example, if we use your, your context. Tell me about the your views on, on balance and the fact that, you know, there are varying, uh, I suppose, opinions out there where... There are, there are some coaches who say that balance is critically important and you've got to have something outside of your sport. And, you know, David Parkin is a 
is one person from an AFL perspective I've interviewed on this podcast before who is very much a, an advocate for having something outside. And then there's a whole bunch of other people who say, no, you've got to be in it, boots and all, that's all you've got to focus on. You've got to focus on playing, training, recovery, and you just go through that cycle. I mean, where do you sit on that based on your, well, based I, on your experience? I think, I think I'm somewhere in between. But for me, it's the it's what you're brought up. So as a, as a rookie, if you come in and everyone that's playing in the NRL, they're all doing some type of career or they're doing this or they're doing something outside, then I'm not going to go, well, I don't need to do that. It's just that's what you do. So when we came from the Super League, when no one had jobs, the next generation, they're not going to go, oh, these guys are getting paid lots. They don't have jobs. They're really focused. Uh, I think I should start doing a bit of you know, architect to work in case I don't make it. Like, like it's you, you follow your mentors and your, your, the senior guys and the leaders in front because that's what that's what you do. So, yeah, and I suppose it's they're good now, but if, like even if you look at rugby union, so rugby union you know, was professional you know, a lot later than rugby league. So everyone had jobs, you know, they're all in finance or some type of role. So anyone that came up into rugby, they never just went, well, I'm a rugby player. They always had, they said, well, you know, Simon pointed that he's, he's a stockbroker, so I'm going to do something. You know what I mean? You just follow the people in front. So it's it's more of a um, a mindset that you're, you follow or, or you just roll into, not you don't make your own decision. You know what I mean? It's, yep. You get taught. This is how we do it as a rookie or as a you know, kid looking up. You so said that's what they do. That's what I'm going to do. And, and, and your belief, their beliefs become, or their actions become your beliefs, and then your actions, and it just follows on. And so, does that mean that if you if you think about the journey you had from '93 to what 2009, or thereabouts, yeah, six, yeah. that's 16 years, I think. My mem- if uh, my arithmetic adds up, 2008 um, was the last year. Yeah. 2008. There you go. And so. If you think about the older players when you when you first joined rugby league, and then when you went from, you know, semi-professional to professional, and as you continued through that journey, and as you became a an established star of the game, manly, you know, playing for state of origin, playing for your country, you obviously then you know you had a certain standing at the club, and so I guess young guys naturally would would look up to you. I mean, were they coming to you at all to talk about? Sort of life outside of footy, or was it all Steve? Oh, how can I improve playing? Yeah, no, it's more about football because that's that's where you know them. That's what you do. And some guys you would talk about it, but I, to be honest, I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, like it, it's yeah, you sort of hopefully try and build a little bit of property or shares, or so use your money wisely. But there was never this. I never. Yeah, it's easy to say now, this is what you need to do, but I never had a driver saying, yeah, I need to I need to go into finance, I need to find a career. It was it was hard. So I never I never I never started doing any type of career advice or type of stuff when I played. It was um, so I suppose we just spoke about football, how can I improve? Well mate, you need to do this and this. There was never this uh, yeah, what do you think I should do for a career? Because yeah, that, that wasn't on the top of my priority list. It's easy, that, which is crazy, right? Because I sit back and say, this is this is what you need to do. But you don't realise things until afterwards. And I'm sure you've had similar things when you, you know, when your parents say, 
Yeah, so I say, boom, boom, boom. They say something, and you go, yeah, nice one, oldie, yeah, as if. <laughs> and then 15 years down the track, you go, mm, they were right, you know. <laughs> well, I sort of, we're, we're, we're yeah, clopping that every day you, now, mate, with, our, <laughs> with my, my yeah. I'll tell you. Come, come and see me in 15 years, and you go, yeah, that's right, actually. But, so, but you, you know what I mean? So you don't... You don't know what you don't know, so I keep saying that, which is stupid because it's obvious. But it's it's that mentality that um, you're here to, to, to focus on something, and and that's the best use of your time. If you if you look back on things, if you reflect on things, do you think you would be doing something different if you had spent maybe the last three or four years of your playing career working out what you're going to do next? I, I, I don't think so, just because I've always loved. I've always loved stockbroking and finance and things like that. Like I love helping people, solving puzzles, and all of these, all these types of you know. In as a mortgage broker, you, know, you help people like it's a, it's a job that you, know, you get you help people navigate the all the banks to, to purchase the biggest things of their career, or you, or you save the money on a refinance. Say, look, I've just saved you seven grand on your your home loan per year. Like it, it's. So you help people, uh, people come to you and say, this is what I want to do, and we map out, well, where do you want to be in three years, five years, you know, what, uh, so you're, you're solving their problems and, and making them better off for it, so, so it sort of ticks all those all those boxes, so I would like to think that um, that I would have got to where I, where I am, because I, I really love doing what I'm doing. Well, I mean, it's brilliant that you love doing what you're doing, because I know you and I both know that if you if you don't like what you're doing, life can be pretty miserable from a work, work point of view. You know, one of the things that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago was this issue of identity and the fact that you say you still from time to time experience that whole uh, Steve Menzies the footballer as opposed to Steve Menzies the, the mortgage broker. And so can you take me through the, if you like, the, the sort of the journey you went through in the bubble as, as you became more famous and you know we don't need to be modest here you're a superstar of the game you're the third highest try scoring rugby in rugby league history so you you could play a little bit can you talk about how you have to kind of try to separate yourself from rugby when you're moving into a different part of of your life yeah look it's it's i suppose when you move into a different aspect of your life it's probably it's the greatest, one of the greatest tools you can utilise, but one of the greatest, one of the toughest things you can use as well. So whether it's every time, if you meet someone and they have no idea you played rugby league, then it's fine. Hi, I'm a mortgage broker. How can I help? What do you need? This is a product. What, where do you want to be? We can do that. And they will listen and go, yeah, he's an expert. He's a mortgage broker. Good. But then if you find someone that knows you from rugby league, you're saying things and they're looking and you go, well, he's asked me about rugby league four or five times. He's looking at me going, this guy, he used to wear headgear, he's a rugby league player. <laughs> Did he just mention a home run? What? Oh, you remember that time? Like that. So I feel you've got to, you've got to dress a bit nicer and, and talk a bit, you know, have better things to say than the next guy because they don't see you as a mortgage broker. So if you, he come up and said that guy's, you know, someone that guy's a doctor. You believe he's a doctor, right? Before he said anything, if someone says that, but if someone says oh, he's an AFL, if you say that guy's an AFL star, you go, oh, no, he's a doctor. Which doctor? Which bloke are you going to, to when you you hurt your knee or something? You go to the guy you think's a doctor because you still see him as an AFL hero. 
You don't see him as a doctor. So if I need to, I, I don't have much AFL to do. Look at that. Yeah, you know, kicking goal from 50. I'm not going to see the doctor because it's, you know what I mean? So your people's perception of you can 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 be harder and it's it's a challenge breaking that. Yeah, and you might have great networks and everything, but it's a challenge of that networks. No, 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 I, I'm very good at what I do. This is, I can help you, you know? So it's it's crossing that barrier can be, can take, it takes time and it takes um, persistence and it takes hard work. How have you coped with the, I mean, are you trying to, I won't say distance yourself because that's not the right terminology, but do you, you you feel like you've you've got that balance now with respect to, you know, Steve Menzies, the mortgage broker versus Steve Menzies, the, if you like, the retired rugby league star? And and is that, I'm, I'm assuming that every day that goes by that you're not distancing yourself from it, but you're becoming a lot more known for being the mortgage guy as opposed to being the rugby guy, would you? Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you never, you know, I'm so proud of what I achieved in the past and through rugby league. But it's that's not who I am today. You know, who I am is a, is a different person than that person. Yes, that's me. People go, hey, are you, are you Steve Menzies? I jokingly say, and it's sort of half true. I go, yeah, I used to be, because that's because they're seeing me as the guy who wore headgear and ran around for, for a bookfellow oval at. Uh, in a manly jersey, so they don't see me as, as a mortgage broker. So when they go, "Hey, Steve Menzies," they don't mean, "Hey, didn't you? Um, did you do a really good, yeah, home loan?" Like that's so. It's so I do so. I say it jokingly, but it's half true because that's I am so proud of it, and that's who I was. But that's not who I am today. I'm trying to, yeah, achieve and have success uh, in another career. But in things I love doing, helping people, like I said, solving puzzles and, and, and improving potentially their financial situations. And that you would probably be someone I would think that I wouldn't say necessarily the exception, but you would see your peers and people that you played with and, and maybe older players that maybe you looked up to who have really struggled to, to, to move away from the rugby league career and move away from the professional sporting career. To, now, whether that's because they haven't, Manage to find something that they love, like like you have, and or you know they're just they've kind of kept on with that identity when in fact it's probably it's impeding their growth as an individual. Yeah, look, look, and it's hard to, to get away from something that's been such a big part of your life um, for so long. So there's an opportunity to, to stay in rugby league, whether it be through coaching or staff or you know, around the club or some type of it's it's an it's easy, and I'm not saying it's the wrong decision, but sometimes to, to be able to go out outside of what you're known for gives you releases. Just it gives you a bit of freedom, if that's the, that that's the same thing. I don't, you know, I want to be involved in rugby league for, for my life, but I don't want to to be in rugby league for my for the rest of my life. If that, if that makes sense, like if I could be a, like doing the ambassador part of Manly. I help New South Wales rugby league. I love doing those things and having attachments to it, but I don't only want to be known as a rugby league player because I, I can't be a rugby league player anymore. Like if I could physically do it again, then yeah, I'm happy doing it. But I can't, I can't physically do that game, so I can't, I can't be a rugby league player without playing rugby league. If that makes sense as well. This podcast is is about transition to life after sport, but I want to speak, spend a couple of minutes for our audience because I know they'll be fascinated and interested in this. How do you play top-level rugby league for the best part of 20 years and not 
and still be able to walk, still be able to function, play golf, do all the things that you do because, I mean, let's face it, it would have to be in the top couple of most br- brutal physical sports you could possibly play. Yeah, look, if there was, if I could sell it and put it in a jar, that I, I probably wouldn't need to be a mortgage broker. <laughs> it, it, it's, look, it's, it's one of those things, and so many people ask it, and I've only got, I can only answer to the best of, I think genetics is good. You've got to have, you know, I see guys going to tackles and it doesn't even look bad and they come out and they fracture a, you know, a scapula or something. You just think, oh, my God. And so you just got to be lucky with genetics and the way you, you know, flinch and the way that you, you, you're in strong positions. Um, and then you just got to love doing it. I think there's two things that stop people from continuing in sport. It, it, it's their body through injuries or, or whatever or Mentally, they go, oh, I've had enough of this. I can't, I can't be bothered doing another preseason. I can't be bothered going out in public and everyone, you know, or, or whatever it might be. It's, it's a 24-hour job, you know. Like, you go outside and you're still a regular league player. Yeah, you're not working physically, but that's doing, you know, interacting with fans and social people is part of your job because without the fans, you don't get paid a cent. You know, you need them to support the game. So you can't really say, well, I want to get paid, but not be interactive with the fans. So it's either I've had enough of it all or my body won't work. And I, I if I can play tomorrow, I would still play. I love, I love the game, but I'm too old. <laughs> and they're too big and fast these days. <laughs> but, but, but it's, but I, I love playing it. Um, and even when I retired, I still loved it. I still miss playing. Some people, I, I speak to other people that are, that are retired and they say, oh, do you miss playing? They go, nah. And I say, yeah, I do. I, 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 if I could play tomorrow, I'd play. Because I just love playing the game. I never played for for, any, for money. Did I get paid? Yes. But I would have played for nothing. Like it's like I didn't tell my manager in those things. That, but <laughs> I, 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 I would have played for nothing because I, I just love playing. So it's the, the only – yeah, and I suppose I'm pretty relaxed uh, and I can – I can switch off pretty easy, so I'm not too intense. And you know, even during a, a training session, if there's coaches talking to someone, I'll flick over and yeah, what's going on, and talk about golf or whatever. And then when we come back, boom! I, I, I think I can. Where do I need to be? But straight back into to game mode, if that's the right terminology. So being able to not be on 24/7, I think that'd burn you out mentally. So being able to being pretty relaxed, switching off and on when you need to, um, a few good genetics and, and just loving it. So that's the that's my theory on on playing lots of games. And you And don't and don't run a big bikes either. <laughs> run at the little bikes. Don't run the big bikes. That's a bad idea. You mentioned earlier the word mentors. There's there are three th- sort of themes that that every guest that I've had on this program has has the same sort of thing to say. You've got to be proactive about getting yourself organised for life after sport. Mentors are really important and you've got to start planning early. Let's talk about mentors. I'm assuming there would be a couple of people that have helped you along the way, either through your playing days or maybe after your playing days. And you mentioned the fellow that yeah. introduced you to those five or six people. Yeah. You know, Can you talk about mentors and how important they've been to you? Yeah, yeah look, it's it's weird because people say, yeah, who, who is your mentor and I played because I love. Uh, There's a couple of players that I, I liked and enjoyed, but um, Bob Fulton was my first coach. He had a little bit to do with him as a junior. 
Um, he was my first coach in Manly. He coached the Australian side. So he was you know, probably a mentor in that he allowed me to become the player. You know, I was a people, I, I used to just sort of run where I needed to run as a forward. It wasn't very structured. I didn't have to do lots of hit-ups and there was no real guidelines. I was just allowed to to become the player and use my intuition to become the player that I became. If he was very nut, you didn't stay on the right or the left side. That wouldn't have worked for me. Or you have to do, you know, 10 carries per half. That really wouldn't have suited the way I needed to play. So his, his, his guidance and allowed me to become the player that I did. And, and I suppose that other than that, there's, you have senior guys that you look up to, mentors, maybe, maybe not, but they guide you as a young kid and um, playing when you first come into grade. But there's, I've asked, it's weird, so since retiring, I've sat down and Paul Hines is the guy who, who, who took me into the city and said, hey, come on, let's meet these, these people. And I've had more chats with people after rugby league about, like, as in, give me some advice, give me some advice. You know what I mean? That, that type of, can you help me? Because as a, as a young kid playing rugby league, I didn't ask Jeff Tuvey, I didn't ask Brad, F- I didn't ask these guys that I looked up to. Just what are you guys doing? That's what I'm going to do. So so you follow their directions. If they say do this, this is what we do after every game. That's all I'm going to do after every game. So I never I never had verbal. Hey, what should we do? You know, there was never that verbal. So there's mentors that you follow. But then since retiring, I've had more chats with business people and saying. Can you help me? I've got this decision. Can you help me? What do you think? Can you help me? I'm a little bit lost with structuring my day. So I had more mentors that I've asked as a, a novice person in the real world with a real job to business people rather than rugby league because that's because you and you just follow your mentors. If that makes sense, that makes perfect sense. And the, I'm assuming that the the if you like the notoriety that you got through rugby league would sh- certainly be, you'd be able to leverage that with respect to opening doors, and I imagine that like a lot of AFL players in Melbourne, you would be able to get to quite a lot of people because of because of who you are, and that obviously would be helpful when it comes to finding people that might be able to help just guide you through certain aspects of your life that that you know they're a lot more experienced at. Yeah, no, and it is, and it's um, and I suppose it's the the. The people that you, when you're a sports person, you get to meet lots of people and you have access that normal people don't. Access is probably the best word. That you get, um, you get to meet a lot more people, um, successful people than the average person. So you become friends with different people, then you retire. And the great thing about retiring from rugby league is everyone I spoke to, they're saying, how can I help? I'll give you advice. They, they all want you to succeed. So I, I know what you did there in rugby league. That was amazing. And you're coming to me to ask for help. I will, I will do everything I can to help you. You know, they just want to, because they can see, not that you're not the same person, that you're saying, you know, two years ago, I, could, I knew every day what was going to happen. I, could, I, I know every scenario because I've been there. I've done it for 20 years. It's easy. Now I'm lost. Can, can you help me? What what can I? I, I need some advice because I, I I don't know what to do. So and they can they can see that in you and and they just they want to help you. And that's one of the great things about most people most people in any walks of life, whether you're a rugby league star or or a university graduate or a fifty year old yeah. who's looking for some some advice or some direction. When you ask people 
look, do you mind if I, if, if you know, could I sit down with you for half an hour? I need to pick your brains on something. No one's ever, in my experience, ever said no to me ever. I mean, people actually do enjoy it. And funnily enough, and you may get this too with respect to the, some of the work that you do with with your role with Manly, with some of the younger players, that, that they, would, they would just love to be able to pick your brains. But at the same time, you know, certainly when I mentor different people over the course of the last couple of years, you learn a lot yourself. It's not just one way. Yeah, no, it is. It's people ask things about how you played and oh, why did you why did you read the play this way? Why did you do that? Why do you tackle like that? And you stop and think, oh, I've never thought that. I just did it. So, so you stop and reflect on how you played the game, why you played the game, what you saw, um, different things like that. So, like I said, you, you do learn a lot, but to ask for advice to ask for help for someone it, like you said it's no one's going mate I'm not helping you like like it's it's a great way to to move forward because it's it's not easy and and, and for have, to have people you know, if a kid come up to me and said ah oh, I don't know what to do in, in a game this and that I'd love to help them like I, I don't want to be a coach I don't want to coach anyone but give advice I'll tell you I don't want to do it like an old bloke. This is how you, in my day, this is what you should do. But it, it, I'm happy to, to chat to anyone about you know, any advice that you can help. It's it's a good way of, um, of, of getting help, which sounds silly. <laughs> how, does, how does a 50-year-old short guy from Tasmania get a bit fitter, a bit stronger and lose a couple of kilos? <laughs> <laughs> I think you could ask me about the golf swing. I was going to say, mate, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk. I'm, I'm terrible on I'm terrible on fitness too. Don't ask me about that, mate. Training, training in a team is so much easier because you can't not turn up because it's a team. Even if there's two of you turning up, you can't not turn up. You do it on yourself. Do it on your own. Ah, it's a bit it's a bit cold. I think it could rain. I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll stay. <laughs> I still do that. It's terrible. I, but I'm I'm not built. Like a tennis player or, or a golfer, you just you run your own shit, right? You got to do it. Like it's, man. Tell me, tell me what I need to look like in, in ten weeks, and I'll do that. Tell me what I'm going to do. I'll do it every day. Or or there's consequences. Boom, I've got this. But okay, you just got to get fit in the next three months, mate. I'm no I'm no chance. Well, I, I, <laughs> listen, listeners, I know you can't see. Steve and I are speaking, but I can see him, and he's he's looking. I've got my shirt off. He's I've look- got my shirt off currently. <laughs> he's he's looking pretty good. I can tell you. Good genetics, I told you. Good genetics. Yeah, yeah. You're very fortunate on that regard, Steve. There's no question about that. If you tell me about, we're going to get to your passion for golf in a second. Uh, but if you were running rugby league now, or you were running Australian sport, and based on your experiences about you know, transition to the next phase of your life. What are some of the things that you do or, or you'd change based on what you know? Look, I, I, Australian sport is tough because they're all different. There's different funding for different sports and uh, I'm not across it well enough. But for rugby league, for me, going through the other side, uh, a theory I'd have is if there's if the salary cap goes up from $10 million for a team to, to $12 million, I would not give that to the players. I'd put 20, like, put that entire into a fund. So if you're on a million bucks, whatever, the, the 200000 that you would have got, it all just goes into a fund, your portion of it, um, of the cap that, that you're entitled to, and that goes into your retirement. So you can get that if you've got... Now, say I had 
200 grand sitting in there when you retire. You can get that over the next four years or five years or, or, or 10 years, whatever it is, just to ease you back in to the real world because when you're playing, you're going, ah, oh, I'm not playing for anything under 250. This is ridiculous. And, you're, and then you retire and you go, mate, if you can give me a job for 80 grand, I'll do it. Like, you know I mean? Your perception of what is what is normal and it changes, right? So so to have a, a financial ease in, ease into the real world and finding your, you know, I said, it's like you've just left year 12 when you retire from rugby league. Oh, well, now I've left year 12, what, what am I going to do? I think I want to do this, but, but then you change and four or five years down the track, you know what you want to do, but that's, that's all good when you're 18, but when you're 30 or 35, it's, it's harder. You've got different responsibilities financially and you know, family. and So to have that financial ease into three or four years, that's all you need. It just gives you a bit of a buffer to go, hang on, I really want to be a carpenter, but I'm not going back to 200 bucks a week because I can't because you know, I've got a wife, I've got three kids, I've got this, I've got that, like it's... I'm a 35-year-old man. I can't go back to 120 bucks a week or whatever, whatever it is. So I need a bit of a transition to financially to, to either do some, to get some skills. And if you did if you did the course before, fine. But if you didn't, it gives you time to roll into um, just adjust some type some type of career. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm assuming that you've got. You know, you obviously you played for so long, so you you would have a you would have played with a lot of different people across. Three count, three countries. Yep, yep. Representative team, Manly, for Australia. Have you seen? And we don't need to name names here, but I'm assuming you would have seen great transitions, and you'd have seen maybe not so good ones. Well, no, look, I'm saying there's been more bad transitions than good transitions. Good, good, and um, successful transition. What is a successful transition? Is it? Earning lots of money? Is it finding something you love doing? Is it, you know, some guys go and um, start doing youth work for kids and stuff, and they love it, and they might be on 70 grand a year, but it's, but you can see when they talk about it, and it's it's what they want to do. You can see that, you know, I talk to people about mortgages, and I'm saying, you know, and you can get this right, we can, and they go, you really love this, don't you? And I think, yeah, it's a bit strange, but... You can tell when someone loves doing what they they're doing. So successful transition financially, it, it's if, that, if that's what you're basing it on. There's not many of those. Well, because you know I, I mean, like the, well, but, but successful transitions into you know, finding something they love doing, there would be more. But still, the the the, the other side of I'm lost. What do I do? I've got no skills. Where am I going? Uh, like it's it. it there's, there's too many. It's, it's, I wouldn't want to do the stats. It's scary. And why do you reckon that is? Is it because they've the individual? And, and you know, we always get back to the case where if it is to be, it's up to me. So, and I mean, you would yeah. experience this playing at the end of the day. If you want to be a, a good footballer, a good tennis player, a good pianist, whatever, mm. you got to put in the work. You got to. You have to do that. I think that's. You know, yeah. I was speaking with somebody uh, a couple of weeks ago who was in an elite environment like yourself. And he said, "There's no secret. You just got to work hard. You got, and it doesn't yeah. matter in any form of life." And so, I mean, I've always thought that, you know, if you find something you love, whether it's to your point, whether it's not being paid anywhere near as much as what you were doing when you were playing rugby league, or it, it just happened to be more because that's how it ended up. 
to yeah. my mind, that's success. I mean, I, I think the transitions and certainly some of the programs that, that have been on television over the course of the last couple of years about, you know, athletes being lost and, and having yeah. no understanding, uh, that's because they just haven't managed to find that that trigger like you have that, that provides them yeah. another motivation and another love in order to go on and, and maybe to the next phase of their lives. And that, that frightens me. That's why I do this podcast because, you know, you want to make sure that when an athlete has been as successful as they have in the athletic environment, that they have got a role to play after that. Their life doesn't end when their sport ends. Their life's only just beginning because you're probably going to live yeah. longer in you know, cumulative years. If yeah. you finish at 35, you like to think that people are going to be living to 85, 90. So they've still got the majority of their life to go. And, yeah. I, and that's the motivation for this podcast is to just, through the stories that you tell and through the stories that other athletes I've had on tell, is that it might just be one little snippet of information that an athlete who's playing now yeah. takes that goes... There could be the light bulb moment that helps them work out what they want to do. Yeah, and in saying my my experience, you know, I retired in two thousand and eight, so that was you know they've come a long way since you know, twelve years ago. They've come a long way in education. I can't really speak on behalf of players that have retired more recent years, um, but years ago it was it was it was tough. You know, it's it is fascinating that. I imagine it's probably tougher now than it ever, purely because of the fact that it's so professional. And certainly, if you look at, you know, rugby league, uh, I, all of the all of the major sports where there is significant money in the game, but then also, comparatively speaking, even if you are on a one year contract like you were for a couple of years, and maybe those contracts, from a payment point of view, weren't as good as when you were signing three and four year deals, is that the numbers that or the, the sort of the financial reward. Is still way better than what the alternative is if you don't pl- if you're not playing. So, I would say that, and maybe rugby league and AFL may not be so much purely because of the, you know, the physical demands. And you know, if you're five or six percent off, you're you're going to struggle to play. But there'd be people that are that are sticking around and playing that extra year because they're worried about what's going to happen when they finish. They're worried about the job they're going to have. They're worried about how they're going to pay their mortgage and 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 live the life that they're used to and. And I imagine, and having you lived through it, I mean, it must be bloody terrifying at times too to think like, to think, crikey, what am I going to do next? Yeah, it's harder and it's, and I think there is enough, you know, from the NRL, I think there is enough courses and there's enough options. But like we said, I think it comes back to the individual. You need to want to do something. You need to be in a mindset to do it. And if you're not in that mindset, it doesn't matter how good the options are. Yeah, it's not gonna. It's not gonna help. So it's. I think it sometimes we say, oh, they can do more. They can do more. Yeah, at, at the the head administration level, but you can only do. You can only lead a horse to water. You know, you, you can only do so much. The person you need to want to do it yourself. And if, if that's if his focus is on this game and this week and this contract and this year, then it, it's you can give him the education. So this is what you're gonna need to do. And it might take two years for him to go, actually, oh, oh, let me turn up once a month and see what a builder does. Let me turn up for the next month and go check out an account. Uh, it might take a while, but you can't you can't force people to do it because that's pointless as well. So I think there's enough. I think they're doing enough at a, a governing body level, but the individual still needs to, still has to want to do it. I think it's a really, really good point. We've got two more things to quickly talk about and then I can let you go, mate. The Three minutes on on your passion for golf. Yes. 
So how did you get into it? And and uh, why do you love golf so much? Because I know, you know, you play a little bit, you've travelled a bit and played golf with uh, with a few mutual friends and, you know, it's a it's a wonderful sport that's, that's that we tear our hair out every time we go out and play. But, you know, because you've also been involved in the golf business pretty much since you uh, since you finished playing. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, look, it's so I started playing when I was about 15. We used to play bits and pieces, and it wasn't very good. And ever since I started playing rugby league, there was always guys in the team, like when I was 19 and started playing professionally. And there was always guys in the team that would play golf, and we would we would play once a week or twice a week. And you get it becomes part of your ritual, and, and it's such a good game mentally. You can be at all different levels, so you can have a team's event. There's so many things you can do. and there was a story I'll tell around the golf. So we used to um, we used to train it. Every day we'd just train at Bob Ford and say, right, we train at 3 o'clock one day and he'd say, okay, the next day training's at 9 or the next day training's at 10 or whatever it was. And um, one day we finished training he says, right, training tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And everyone sort of started walking off and Cliffy Lyons jogged down and said, Bozo, we're... Um, because Matt, we're teeing off at Bayview at, at midday. <laughs> uh, so the coach went, oh, sorry, boys, training at nine. <laughs> so he, he put training early so we could tee off at midday. Jeez, I don't know how many coaches are doing that now. <laughs> sorry, boys, uh, uh, training at nine tomorrow. <laughs> but, but it's, look, I know that sounds, that, but this is the thing. When you have success and you're doing well, it's you, you've got to be happy. Like, Give me everything you can in the training field. But whatever you do outside that, if you like reading poetry, if you like playing golf, I'm sure you've watched um, The Last Dance, yep. Dennis Robin. Yep. Whatever you like doing, I know when you come back, you're going to give me your very best. That's man manage it with the people at its best, you know. So, uh, like all of those players, Jordan's got, you're not going to get him back for 48, you won't get him back in 48 hours. But every single player in that team knew when he came back, he will give 110% on that field. So it's about that. I got sidetracked on the Dennis Rodman. So we always used to play golf, and it's, yeah, I've always loved playing. It had been an opportunity to, um, to get involved in the golf business. We started six years ago. What's it called? We custom Pure Form. We custom fit and build. We've got a shop in uh, Sydney, in Alexandria, and we've got a shop uh, in Melbourne, down on the driving range at uh, Sandrian. Down there now, um, but it's look when you understand what goes into fitting golf clubs. I can never buy a, a set off the rack. You know, we fit our PGA Tour pros get fitted. We swing weight and pure the shafts, and it's you know we look at ball uh, ball speeds and spin rates and launch angles and all this golf nerd cool stuff. Um, but but I love it. It's I don't play enough these days, but it's such a good game. And if you're a golfer, you know how amazing and frustrating it can be but if you're not my wife just I talk to people she's boring she, she thinks it's the most boring thing ever but um, no, I love it it's such a good game it, it's, a, it's a great game and I know there's plenty of people listening that, that love the game we're going to wrap up in a sec Steve but before we go every guest that's been on this podcast is asked the same question to wrap things up and that is it's really really simple what advice would you give your 20-year-old self about life in professional sport and preparing about life after sport if you knew then what you know now? Uh, I, I suppose it would just be you're going to have two careers. 
whether you like it or not, you will have two careers. Uh, whether it's um, a carpenter or a builder or you're going to be a, a, a multi-million dollar developer, you are going to have two careers. So start finding something else you that excites you as much as rugby league does. Steve Menzies, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks very much. Cheers, Ed. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Wide Open Road podcast. I'd love to know what you think, so please email me at edward underscore kemp at bigpond.com if you'd like to share your thoughts, suggestions or recommendations with me. And if you happen to know a retired professional athlete who might like to share their story, please contact me as I'd love to speak with them. And if you do like what you hear, please subscribe to the Wide Open Road podcast and share this podcast with your friends. And remember, our next episode will be released in two weeks' time. Until then, all the best.